You are listening to Danny on What The Heck Podcast. This is the place where I share my experience, knowledge and skills. I'm nervous. I'm so nervous, Danny. Uh, I've never actually, done this before. We're actually recording now, so welcome <laughs> along. Rob Woolley, all the way from New Zealand. New Zealand? New Zealand. Yeah, yeah excellent. Well, welcome along and thank you for coming along. And I, I have the privilege of asking you 12 questions. Now, for those listeners who don't know what we're doing with our 12 questions, they are totally random. I actually have 107 questions, and we shuffle the pack, and then I ask them, so it keeps it impromptu. So, Rob, how many languages do you speak? Question number one. One, <laughs> one and I struggle with that. I think you're a public speaker trainer, and I believe that you speak two languages. What's the other one, Danny? Body language. Oh, body language. I do try. I do try. I'm not too sure what it communicates half of the time, but I do try. Ah, brilliant. So there you, you do speak two languages. If you ever get asked that question again on a podcast, you'll know how to answer it professionally. What's the most daring thing you have ever done? Whoa. I could rattle off a hundred daring things I haven't done. I'm not a very daring person, actually. I went to Hokitika once and the most uh, extravagant food I had was wild pork sandwich. Pork? That was quite extravagant. Well, that was the Hokitika Wild Food Festival, was it? I know. And you just I had know. pork? I had wild pork. I had to force myself to eat that. You didn't try snails or anything unusual? Because that's the whole uh, point. Well, well, you see, like all these are kind of like live living things that you know had a life. Whereas when you eat other forms of meat and animal products, you don't really think of them as being animals, do you? You know I'm a vegan, don't you? I do. I do. You've got a next level. Now, I don't know if you read, but um, what's your favourite author? Question number three. I, I hardly ever read. I never get the time. The only author that I've read more than one book of is John Grisham, is it? I don't know. I don't read, actually. It's it's the author who writes all those um, books that start with the, like uh, they all became movies, like uh, The Firm and The Runaway and et cetera, et cetera. I, I hardly ever read. I only read if I need to learn anything. I, I almost never read anything fiction. How long would it take to read an average book? I am really slow. Yeah. Uh, weeks. Weeks. Uh, I've never read a book in my life, but it's not about me. It's about you. Okay, so um, COVID and all, and this year, I, I don't know how much travelling you've done, actually. I've never really asked you that or remembered what the answer was. But where in the world would you travel to next? Question number four. Oh, anywhere, anywhere. Um, I've been around most of New Zealand now. Haven't been to a place down in the Catlins, I think it is. But I've been to, where have I been? I've been to the UK, been to Wales which is part of the UK, Scotland, uh, Paris very briefly, America for a month, Australia, and Dubai. <clears throat> but where would I it, – it's got to be hot. If it's not hot, I feel like I haven't actually gone anywhere. I, I went to the UK a few times, and obviously all the buildings rolled. Yep. But because it's not really hot, it's not exotic – uh, yeah, America's hot and exotic. Australia's hot and exotic. It's got to be hot, anywhere hot, but not with creepy crawly things. 
So Southeast Asia might be out of the way. Although I did go to, uh, to India for about a week and a half, and I really enjoyed that. I, wouldn't, I, I would never have thought I would have gone to India before I went there. Yep. Uh, I went there for work, but I'd definitely go there again, but not drink the water. Yeah, well, I travelled India uh, 30 years ago and vowed never to return. And at Christmas time, I went back to India because it's one of the countries I wanted to go back to the most. Mm. And now I'd never return again. <laughs> uh, until next time. Yeah. All right. Question number five. What would you prefer? Oh, sorry. What would a perfect day look like for you? Oh, wow. I, I think I would love to answer that it would be a summer's day. It would be relaxing. It's got to be by water, uh, beach, sun, and and heat again, right? There's a theme coming out of here. But actually, a really exciting day for me is anything that I get a buzz out of. I love learning, and I love presenting as part of what I do. So if I have a really good presentation and there's a lot of energy and laughter and stuff, then that's fantastic work-wise, otherwise just doing nothing at all. But I do actually find it quite hard to do nothing at all. Right. Perfect day is Rob not doing nothing at all. Maybe going to um, Tony Roberts and uh, standing in, uh, sitting in the front row. and Rah, rah. Yeah, hey, look, I'll try anything once. Brilliant. Question number six. Um, does your family have a motto, spoken or unspoken? What, do you, what does your family live by? No laughing. I don't think my family knows what a motto means. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, no, no, my family doesn't have a motto. My family doesn't have anything like that. Um, do I have a motto? Do not avoid. Do not avoid? Yeah, if anything comes up that scares me, yeah, um, I, I really try to go and do it so that I'm not a, a passenger to that fear. Mm -hmm. So do not avoid it. And it's a really simple one. You're either going to do it or not do it. You're either going to avoid or not avoid. I've so. seen you do some impromptu speaking before, and I, you are the most competent person I've actually seen being thrown in front of a bus who could manage to talk the bus driver out of running you over. <laughs> most of the time that works. Yeah, yeah, whoops. Uh, if you could go back in time and change one thing, what would you change? Wow. Other than lotto numbers. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess when, put with, when faced with this question, the obvious thing is would we go back pre-1939 and shoot Adolf Hitler? I think that's one that... I was hoping you bring must... that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think, I think if I could go back in time, I'd have a word with me and say, hey, look, if you work harder at school but have a plan of where you want to go after school, then you're probably going to have a, a completely different life. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's about it. I might have scrimped and saved and saved a bit more money. On pro got a bit of property and sat on it. That's one of the things, yeah, for a bit of property wealth. A lot of wealthy people seem to have a whole property portfolio. So it means I think the first 10 years of their life, they may have actually missed out on life and just worked, saved, and bought and, and ate rice for dinner every night. I had a pretty good lifestyle. 
Hey, you, you're a funny guy. Sometimes we've laughed so much that we've had tears running in our face, and I can't even remember what the joke was, but what makes you laugh the most? <laughs> what makes... I think I think uh, I hate to say this, uh, but actually taking the mick out of other people usually makes me laugh uh, in a lighthearted way. If if I was with you and we were laughing so hard that I almost cried, I was probably taking the mick out of you, Danny, and you were probably taking the mick out of me. Uh, I think I think we need to laugh at ourselves. We take ourselves far too seriously. Yeah. Uh, like none of us are going to get out of life alive. Yeah. So. Yeah, I reckon you do. I mean, it's got me out of trouble being dyslexic. I'm always putting my foot in it, saying things wrong. But my humour is my saving grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a six. I, 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 when I was 23, I met my real father. I hadn't grown up with him, and I, I was really surprised he had the same six sense of humour as myself. And uh, he didn't have any influence in my life. And I thought, it must be like, do you think that you've got like genes in you for laughter or humour? I oh, look. I can tell you a very similar story here is that I met my father, my real father, once when I was 14 for one afternoon. And he was supposed to have come and taken me away for a Christmas holiday about six months later. He never did. Didn't see him again until I was 28 and exactly the same thing as what you were saying. Him, yep. him and I are like brothers. We we talk the same. We look the same. We think that, well, I don't know that we think the same, but we may have if we'd had the same experiences. But yeah, very, very similar. I met my father for the first time at 14, other than when I was two, and then I re met him when I was 23. So, similar story, never do that, mate. <laughs> cool. uh, now, this is really fitting. What do you do to keep fit? <laughs> what do I do, or what do I want to do, or what should I be doing? <laughs> Oh, right, this is a true story. This is a true story. Oh, we don't want um, artificial ones. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to all the fake stories. But true story. Yesterday, I went and did an estate call, and I bought a small handful of antiques, and I said, look, just show me through the entire house. Went into the garage. There's an exocycle in there. Almost never used. And I said, how, how much do you want for that? Uh, and I said, I don't need it, as you can tell. Like, I'm, I'm in supreme fitness. But if you want to get rid of it, I'll give you 20 bucks. It, it took five hours yesterday trying to put the belt back on, but I've actually bought this exercise that I reckon now, now I'm thinking I can change my whole desk into a standing desk, sit on the exercise, do peddling, do all my work. Hey, Come back in six months' time and see what this guy looks like. I'll, I'll you hold you accountable to that. Now, we watched The Chase, and on the very last commercial, they always have an infra commercial. And we're, Helen and I, my partner, always figure out what it's going to be. And they've got this Kirby machine. Have you seen that? And <laughs> no, I haven't. People are sitting on the sofa, and they pedal. Oh, no, I have seen that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that must be where I got it from. Jesus. Okay, what's the longest you've ever gone without sleep? Sleep. Yeah, stuff you do at night time. Oh, look, I have a real issue with sleep, uh, like serious issue. I've got sleep apnea, and when I get tested about four years ago, uh, I went into the hospital, and they said, have, have you heard your results yet? And I said, no. She said, they are spectacular. She said, in one 10-minute period, you did not breathe for 5 minutes 48 seconds. No she way. said, we've never seen anything like that. Wow. And 
here, there's a little test that they do. Uh, they put a sensor on your finger while you're asleep and it measures your oxygen. And if your oxygen level ever dips below 90%, you've got sleep apnea. And I, and I think you're severe sleep apnea. My average was below 90%. Wow. I was in hospital, so, mate, and my, um, I had, uh, uh, after a burst appendix, I, had, I got poisoning. And I actually went into shock. And I had five doctors around me at the time trying to put needles in me and keep me calm. And I was shaking like uncontrollably. And at that time, my oxygen level was 80. Wow. So yeah. they, they tell me, yeah, because I remember I like stats. But that's so you are, when you're sleeping, your oxygen level is dangerously low. Uh, uh, crazy low. So I sleep in a machine uh, with a machine. And to be perfectly honest, I, I will not sleep without it. Wow. Oh. So, yeah, I'll talk to you after. Gotta, <laughs> I'm going to hold you accountable because. Uh, all right, second to last question, and it's a long one, so I'm probably going to mispronounce it wrong a few times. Now, listen to the question. Aside from necessities, what's one thing you could not go a day without? I've got it right. So I'm not talking about coffee. Yeah, sleeping. Oh, well, of course, seat. coffee was the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. Uh, no, um, I'm not into coffee. Gee. Can't say internet. Can't say internet. No. Because that's sort of a necessity uh, these days. I've, I've done this question a few times, and people often try to ram in the easy ones, and I like to make it awkward and painful yeah. to answer. Can't go without. Look. Um, don't say much. I think I'm a, and I can't think of the big word that explains I think I, I'm a little bit of an enigma here, as in I have to be motivated to work, but when I'm motivated – I, I struggle to stop work. And to be perfectly honest, um, and it kind of comes back to what is my perfect day? Well, my perfect day in my head is to go to a beach and, and just bodge out and feel the heat. But in reality, I actually can't do that and enjoy it unless I have worked really hard for about two or three weeks up to that point. Yeah. Because I really struggle to just switch off and relax, and, and I don't really like that about myself. And the strange thing was, is that I actually think back to when I was in my 20s, I had no problem doing nothing and then celebrating doing nothing by doing nothing. Mm. But now I can't do nothing without having earned the right to have a day off. I transcribed this podcast into text. Now, reading what you just said is going to be a real awful read to say <laughs> However, I, I sort of uh, I get a lot of that because when I travel, I normally get everything done before I get on the plane, and then I feel like I'm free, I can enjoy my holiday, yep. and then I think it would be a really good idea if I pretend I was going on holiday, like every Friday, and I'm getting on the plane on Saturday because then I'd finish everything I need to finish. Yeah, and just look, I totally get what you're saying. I, I really like to be productive, and in whatever it is that I'm doing. And I'm actually wondering if, if you and I were to go on a holiday, you know, like next time that we actually went on a holiday and did something productive on the holiday, which means we could go and um, experience new experiences and, re and be productive at the same time. Yeah, like a holiday resort workshop and yeah. a new project. I've always liked the idea of getting five or six of my mates together 
and having one, um, a, you know, working as a team together, coming up with some product or service that we all contribute evenly to. But then yep. when it starts, when you earn your first whatever money and you have to split it up five or six ways, that's the part I have hard, <laughs> I find hard because <laughs> it's not much money in the game. It doesn't work out a lot of the time unless you all put in equally. Yeah, I think, yeah, look, I totally get that. And I think to have you know, a group of like-minded people working on the one project, the hardest thing is, is to work out the complementary skills. You know, like if one person's into IT or the other person's into talking and the other person's into negotiating or whatever, how how do you combine it? And who, who did the most important work? Yeah. But maybe money... The money factor and and to be fair and equal is is the problem. You just do it for fun, and I think a lot a lot of people align when they've got a shared vision and they just want to get the job done or they want to get the project done, and they're not worried about the, uh, the money. The money's the icing on the cake. Now I talked to you yesterday about doing these twelve questions, and I said, now when somebody starts going off topic, how do I get them back on track? And we suggested that once I asked the question, they have 45 seconds to answer it. So I'm going to read the question again. Aside from necessities, what's one thing you could not go a day without? I find it really hard to relax and switch off if I haven't felt I've been really productive and earned it. So I guess any any day, every day, I need to be productive in some way, even if it's for like an hour a really intensive hour at the start of the day to tick off a lot of the things that you wanted to do, and then you can just reward yourself by relaxing and enjoying the rest of the day. But every day you want to accomplish at least one of your goals you set out to do. Something. That's how you answer that question next time, young Rob. Last question, and then we'll ask you what you're doing, who you are. What's the last movie you went to, and I'm talking picture theatre, and what did you think? about it i i don't know that this is the last movie that i went to but the first one that pops into my head was maybe the second or third last one and it was a little while ago called i think it was nightcrawler is the most bizarre movie i think i've ever seen and and one of the best movies i've ever seen about a guy that you think you you know this person and then they do something completely radical and Totally unexpected. I, I thought it was a fantastic movie. Jake Gyllenhaal, I think, was an actor in it. Yeah, I I really like movies where I've got to think and I'm engaged the whole time. Action movies, stuff like that, doesn't really do it for me. I went to a movie a wee while ago and it was like these guys that went on a, like a pub crawl and they're going to go to like 12 pubs and you watched them go into one pub, got up to about six or seven pubs. And then they went to the loo, and then one of them turned blue, and the whole movie turned into some sort of like um, zombie apocalypse movie. And I felt so ripped off because I hate those type of movies. But the first half of the movie was like semi-normal. The second part was they must have got bored halfway through it in this movie. I couldn't believe it. I don't even know the name of the movie, but yeah. I I completely relate to that. I watched a movie called uh, From Dust Till Dawn by Quentin Tarantino. First half of the movie, absolutely brilliant. The second half, yeah, I think I think they all took drugs and, and did yeah. something completely off script. Yeah, they changed scripts. All right, Rob Worley, um, why don't you tell our listeners who they're probably trying to figure out what you're doing, who you are. You have two hats that I really know of. Uh, what would you uh, 
if somebody said, hello, you're in an elevator and somebody wants to know who you are and what you do, what would you say? Uh, look, it's really hard for me to say any one thing, but my main income is I'm an antique dealer. I'm the proprietor of Academy Antiques, and we buy and sell antiques, collectibles, specialise in English porcelain. But my other real passion is speaking and presenting. I love doing that. I'm a recovering stutterer, so communication is really important to me, and to be able to express myself and to encourage other people to find their voice and express themselves as well. So that's my real passion, and I just love doing it. wish I could do that more and do the antiques less. Uh, cool. Now, I'm going to ask some other questions here off the top of my head, things like if you were – most people, when it comes to public speaking, can't they always say, oh, I can't stand it. And then um, what I like is the fact that we all public speak every day because we talk. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Look, look, it's like there are two words in that phrase. There's public and speaking. And I went into a school once and I said, who who here loves public speaking? And everyone goes, Ooh. yeah. And I said, have any of you spoke so far today? And they all put their hands up. Was it in public? And they held their hands up. And I said, you just did public speaking. Uh, you probably know all their needs, all there is that you need to know. All right. And with lockdown, I know you run a big portion of New Zealand's Toastmaster from Marsden down. So um, with lockdown, you've been, uh, I think you had um, a lot of people trying to run their Toastmaster meetings over Zoom. Uh, how did you find the, the Zoom recording working when people only from here up or most people? Because what I've noticed, the biggest Zoom meeting I had, I had 60 people in it. And I noticed there were so many people, so many distractions in the background it was just a, a completely different monster. And public speaking is all about using your hands, using your body, leaning in, going back. And, and also I know when you're doing public speaking training, they teach you how to use the stage. <laughs> and we don't have much of a stage here. <laughs> yeah, so um, how did you get on with the, the Zoom meetings? Oh, well, I have to say it's a completely different animal. And I think... I almost think there's certain skills for presenting in person and there's certain skills for presenting online. I think online is a different medium, but you touch on one really interesting point, and that's distractions. So there's not only distractions of you if you're speaking and you've got all of those images, or even not, big audiences sometimes have all of the videos turned off, so you're talking to a black screen, yep. but then you're looking at the speaker, but yeah, behind them, like obviously I've got a virtual background at the moment, but oh. behind me there could be like a bookcase, you know, like clothes, there could be a tripod, there could be, you know, paintings on the wall or whatever, and it's all noise, and I think that the key to really good communication is cut down the noise and just deliver the message. Online has a lot of challenges with that, to cut down the noise and deliver the message. So, um, yeah, not – it is a, a very effective tool for particularly conveying information. I think for getting to know people and, and really um, getting into a topic, Maybe not so much. Oh, sorry, I was trying to distract. But that's what I, I think with these Zoom meetings, I find incredibly hard that people sit here and they do, and you think, are you listening to me? And then they're sitting here changing their background pictures. And then oh, yes. people, 
<laughs> because my daughters, my daughters. <laughs> yeah, absolutely everything is communicating. Like this is the thing, you know, like you mentioned before about the body language. Like there's my voice communicating, there's my hands communicating, there's my background communicating something, there's my shirt communicating something, and yeah. there's everything else going on that's competing and, and making noise or distractions. They're all communicating and the more things that communicate, the harder it is to actually listen to what you want to learn. There you go. My phone just rang after all that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's cool, mate. I really appreciate you coming along. I've enjoyed that. Um, I've known you for quite a few years now. Now, how did we originally meet? Was it through Toastmasters? I usually say ah, something no. really inappropriate at this time. but uh, No, no, no. It's good you didn't. Great no, Rotary. Yeah, it was. That's right. I was a Rotarian. And this guy I didn't know come and talked about stuttering. And I thought, I wonder who he's talking about. Little did I know that you were the stutterer. That's the one. So you did uh, You did a lot of work with people with stutter, uh, stuttering and helped them how to manage it more than uh, – a lot of people want to get rid of it, but you help people manage it. Yeah, well, you can't get rid of it. Like, I, I still stutter. And I came onto this podcast and I always wonder whether – my words are going to come out completely fluently or not, but you can get into a few basic techniques. I used to run the Maguire program, so that helped a lot. I've done speech therapy. I've worked with other people as well. I, I think managing is the thing. One, accept who you are. You're not perfect, but nobody else is either. And two, the aim of speaking is to communicate. It's not necessarily to be fluent. So you just communicate, say what you want to say, however you can say it. But there are some techniques to be able to manage how you say that and to control yourself and your speech at the same time. Now, that's good. Did you hear about the dyslexic guy in the stutter that walked into a bar? No, but I'm about to. No, no, I just made that up. But it does sound like a joke, doesn't it? I, I, look, I think it would be a joke, but maybe we should do it tonight at about 5.59pm at Sticks and Stones and see how funny it is. No, that's cool. And um, for those people who thought that was a joke and are now disheartened, did you hear about the horse that walked into the bar? No, no, no I didn't, of course. No, the barman said, what's with a long face? Yeah, yeah, I, I've never heard that before. <laughs> that's cool. All right, Rob, hey, thanks for coming along. Sorry about my sick jokes. Um, and um, by all means, if you're looking for Rob's contact details, how do we find Rob? Uh, Rob at robwilly.co.nz. Cool. And Willie's got two Danny. Eh? Or ask Danny. Yeah. And he's also, I'll put, I'll link this off to your Elite Six membership profile. Because at the moment, if you go to robwilly.co.nz, it takes you to. Oh, yeah. Well, you wouldn't want to go to the website because it doesn't exist, but the email does. But, Hey, by the time you go live, who who knows what could have happened to that domain name? That's right. All right. So it's good night from Rob Woolley and good night from him. No, good night. What's the two Ronnies? <laughs> and it's good night from me and it's good night from him. Brilliant. Excellent.